Don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us to begin with in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't It seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Verses verses 27 through 42, Luke chapter 10. Again, verses 25 through 42. Lord, we thank you once again for your word. Thank you for the wonderful gift of your word. Thank you for the privilege, the honor, the blessing, the reward it is for us to open your word and spend time one-on-one with you as you speak words of counsel, wisdom, grace, and life into our lives. Thank you for the gift your word is to us. And Lord, more and more open our eyes to to better understand and, and comprehend what a blessing it is to have your word and what a wise thing it is for us to live a lifestyle where we fill our hearts with your word 
every single day. More and more open believers and people's eyes to the wonderful gift your word is and help us to be faithful to fill our minds, our hearts, our lives with your word more and more, more so. With every passing day, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our producer is Isaac Jackson. Isaac is going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Hey, love, thank you so much for these moments. And Father, uh, I ask that you'd speak to us now. I ask that you'd uh, send your Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, that uh, we would learn to hear your scripture more and more as you've intended it to to be read, that it explain more and more of your character and your love for us, that we'd see you personally in it. Father, I ask that uh, you'd give us strength to read more every day. Father, I ask that you'd give us strength to love others more every day. And uh, Father, I ask that uh, we would love others as ourselves. In your holy name, amen. 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 Thank you, Isaac. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. Uh, Let me just say uh, from the outset of our broadcast for today, uh, on a pretty, uh, well, an ongoing basis, uh, a goal that the Lord has put on our hearts to share and encourage you to pursue is that of being a really faithful student of God's Word. And let me say to every single listener now, if you're not reading your Bible every day, you don't know what you're missing. The fact is, God's Word is is like a bottle of grace. It's like a bottle of joy. And it's as if every day God's question is, how much do you want? Now, if you think to yourself, well, that sounds like an exaggeration. Let me be very clear. Not at all. God's Word is more than a bottle of grace and a bottle of joy. And the fact is, it's one thing. You can consume the Word of God. You can never overdo it. You can never overdose on the Word of God. It'll just bless you more and more and more. Uh, I want to take a time now to share an article that, again, we want to, as we uh, normally do, we invite you to email us to get a copy of it. The title of the article is God's Word, Medicine for All the Ills of Life. Again, that title, God's Word, Medicine for All the Ills of Life. And I want you to listen to the details of the article I had the privilege of sharing. Of course, it was it's on the AFA stand. You can go to afa.net. Uh, to find the stand there, and this article can be found there as well. But it's to help us understand that amongst other things, God's Word, yes, it is medicine to our physical body. It's medicine to our mind. It's medicine to our emotions. It's medicine to every part of life. So, again, I want you to listen. If you'd like to get a copy of the article, simply email us, joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. Once again, the title, God's Word Medicine for all the ills of life. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, as read from the Jubilee Bible. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my words. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life to those that find them and medicine to all their flesh. Again, Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 in the Jubilee Bible. Then Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and and delivered them from their destructions. Again, Psalm 107, verse 20. Then Psalm 103, verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Again, Psalm 103, verse 3. And then Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts you in thee. Isaiah 26, 3. Then Psalm 119, verse 130. 
The entrance of your words gives light. In the Gospel of John, the Word of God tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1, verse 1. Because the Word of God is the Lord Jesus, therefore the Word of God can heal a person completely, just like Jesus can heal a person completely. Because again, remember, Jesus is the Word of God. Well, why is this true? Because they're one and the same. Jesus is the Word of God. The Word of God ministers to and nourishes your entire being. It does it in such a way that no one else or nothing else can. To put it another way, God's Word is full of grace, light, and blessing. So when you spend time reading and meditating on the Word of God, the Word of God blesses your mind, body, and spirit like nothing else in life. The Word of God ministers to your entire being. As an individual reads and meditates on God's Word, he or she is sitting in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and being blessed by Him. Our world is sick in so many ways. It's sick, distorted, dark, and full of things that can easily cause, quote-unquote, ills in life. Too many struggle with hatred, anger, issues of unfairness, Issues and unforgiveness, bitterness, lust, greed, addictions, perversions, thoughts of suicide, and attempts at suicide. Many are sick spiritually, mentally, and in their physical bodies and emotionally. The world is filled with all kinds of illnesses or ills in life. Many people are ill in their minds. They're ill in their perspectives, their way of thinking. Many are ill in the philosophies of life that they have chosen to live by and embrace. The Word of God is medicine for all the ills of life. It's the cure for so many of the maladies that exist in this world. So when a believer spends time reading and meditating on the powerful Word of God, he or she is spending time with Jesus. That person is spending time receiving the most powerful and effective medicine, good in, medicine for good in their lives. Among other things, God's Word is medicine to our entire being. The Word of God is medicine with no bad side effects. The Word is medicine that literally ministers to every part of your being all at one time. Also, God's Word is medicine that you can take as often as you want, and it will simply bless you more and more. You cannot overdose on the Word of God. The more you take of it, the more it will bless you, and your whole life. What is the cure for all the ills of life? The matchless Word of God. So let's be wise enough to take God's Word in large doses every single day. A goal of reading and meditating on God's Word and reading no less than three chapters a day is a wise goal. If you do, your life will be much healthier and much more blessed in every way. Finally, be mindful that the first step toward becoming healed and whole in life is the step of inviting Jesus Christ into your heart, into your heart to be the Lord and Savior of your life. If you wish to make this important step in your life, would you simply and sincerely pray this prayer or a similar prayer and invite Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior? If you'd like to make that step, would you simply pray this prayer with me now? Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I recognize that I've sinned and done wrong in many ways. Forgive me for all the wrong I've done. 
I do believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And I believe that three days later you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Thank you, Lord, for loving me enough to die for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Become my Lord and Savior. Make me the person you want me to be. You said in your word that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord Jesus, save me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. And I now confess I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, the title of that article, God's Word, Medicine for All the Ills of Life. And keep in mind, this particular article is both an evangelism and discipleship tool, or you could say sort of a track slash article. If you'd like to get a copy, and I hope that you will, uh, remember our encouragement is that you'll use it in your personal life, but also that you'll use it as a discipleship tool for you and your family. But also, please use it as an evangelism and a discipleship tool. Share it with family, friends, and co-workers, extended family members. Remember, it's very easy to do a lot of evangelism and discipleship by way of email. Uh, it's not hard to push the button and send it. So please email us to get a copy of the article. Once again, the title of the article, God's Word, Medicine for All the Ills of Life. We'll be glad to share with you. Once again, my email, joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. Thank you, Lord, for this tool and many of the other tools that we've shared with listeners and those that we do have to share. Bless each and every one of these articles, these tools. Indeed, expand their territories. Cause your hand to be mightily upon them. Keep them from evil that they may not cause pain. Thank you for every one of our listeners today. Thank you for the privilege we all have of being able to be vessels through which your spirit will work today to minister to others. Bless each and every one of us indeed expand each of our territories cause your hand to be mighty upon each one of us keep us from evil that we may not cause pain in jesus's name we do pray amen you're listening to the hour in a session as we'll be reading through the word of god today we'll be back listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We pick up now reading through the word here in the book of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. 
Then all the tribes of Israel went to David at Hebron and told him, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, when Saul was our king, you were the, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord told you, You will be the shepherd of my people Israel. You will be Israel's leader. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him king of Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in all. He had reigned over Judah from Hebron for seven years and six months, and from Jerusalem he reigned over all Israel and Judah for 33 years. David then led his men to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites, the original inhabitants of the land who were living there. The Jebusites taunted David, saying, You'll never get in here. Even the blind and lame could keep you out. For the Jebusites thought they were safe. But David captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the City of David. On the day of the attack, David said to his troops, I hate those lame and blind Jebusites. Whoever attacks them should strike by going into the city through the water tunnel. That is the, that is the origin of the saying, the blind and the lame may not enter the house. So David made the fortress his home, and he called it the city of David. He extended the city, starting at the supporting terraces and working inward. And David became more and more powerful because the Lord God, because the Lord God of heaven's armies was with him. Then King Hiram of Tyre sent messenger sent messengers to David, along with cedar timber, and carpenters and stonemasons, and they built David a palace. And David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel, and had blessed his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. After moving from Hebron to Jerusalem, David married more concubines and wives, and they had more sons and daughters. These are the names of David's sons who were born in Jerusalem, Shamua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Nepheg, Japhiel, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphelet. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephaim. So David asked the Lord, Should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, Yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. So David went to Baal Perazim and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named so he na named that place Baal Perazim, which means the Lord who bursts through. The Philistines had abandoned their idols there. So David and his men confiscated them. But after a while, the Philistines returned and again spread out across the valley of Rephaim. And again, David asked the Lord what to do. 
Do not attack them straight on, the Lord replied. Instead, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. When you hear a sound like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, be on the alert. That will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. So David did what the Lord commanded, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. He led them to Baal of Baalah of Judah to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ahio, Abinadab's sons, were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical, musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. He named that place, he named that place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah, as it is still called today. David was now afraid of the Lord, and he asked, How can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not, so David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Then King David was told, The Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of, from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. 
And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people returned to their homes. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, How distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord, who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. So Michal, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. 2 Samuel chapter 7 When King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the Lord summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I'm living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the Lord said to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, This is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet no matter where I've gone with the Israelites, I've never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people Israel. I've never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you have gone, and I've destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth, and I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past, starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name. 
and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod, like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. So Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord had said in this vision. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And now, sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. You deal with everyone this way, O sovereign Lord. What more can I say to you? You know what your servant is really like, sovereign Lord. Because of your promise and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known to your servant. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. We have never heard of another God like you. What other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other nation, O God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations and gods that stood in their way. You made Israel your very own people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. Confirm it as a promise that will last forever. And may your name be honored forever, so that everyone will say, The Lord of heaven's armies is God over Israel. And may the house of your servant David continue before you forever. O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, I've been bold enough to pray this prayer to you because you have revealed all this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For you are God, O sovereign Lord. Your words are truth, and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you. For you have spoken, and when you grant a blessing to your servant, O Sovereign Lord, it is an eternal blessing. End of Second Samuel, chapter 7. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're reading through the Word of God. We'll be right back. I should worry about tomorrow when I know 
Music of Hillsong, Young and Free with every little thing. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue reading through the Word of God as we pick up now in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I will follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work of the Lord, each of, excuse me, each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your, in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field, you are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be careful, must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. 
Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. So don't boast about following a particular human leader. For everything belongs to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter, or the world or life and death, or the present and the future. Everything belongs to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Dear brothers and sisters, I've used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. If you pay attention to what I have quoted from the scriptures, you won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? Or, excuse me, what do you have that God does what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? You think you already have everything you need. You think you are already rich. You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you really were reigning already, for then we would be reigning with you. Instead, I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display, like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everyone's trash, right up to the present moment. I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, 
you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. That's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Some of you have become arrogant, thinking I will not visit you again. But I will come and soon, if the Lord lets me, and then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you, or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something that, something that even pagans don't do. I'm told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And you should remove this man from your fellowship. Even though I'm not with you in person, I'm with you in the spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of the Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it is certainly, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. When one of you has a dispute with another believer, 
How dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. Verses 1 through 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we've been reading through the Word of God. As, as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you're listening today and you've never made it your You've never made the decision of asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Today is a wonderful day to make that eternally important decision. In all of life, there's no more important decision than this one. If you'd like to commit your heart and your life to the Lord, would you simply from your heart pray this prayer with me even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me with the eternal love with which you loved me. Thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess, I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent. And I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things that I have done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In the word of God, you told us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Help me, Lord, to read your word daily. Help me to pray daily. Help me to seek you in your face daily. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're very much wanting to connect with you, to be in touch with you. Once again, my email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'd like to share with you some literature and resources that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong and grow into the vibrant, strong follower of Christ the Lord wants you to be. Please email us again that email, joseph at afr.net. Again, joseph at afr.net. We hope to hear from you. Once again, the article that we shared earlier in the broadcast entitled, God's Word, Medicine for All the Ills of Life. If you want to get a copy, simply email us, same email, joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to get it to you. Thanks for listening. Again, if you're not already reading three chapters in your Bible every day, we hope that you'll this day start that chat, that habit of reading at least three chapters in your Bible every day. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.